0: Well, and welcome to Sunday Coffee. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. We're in different parts of the world right now. We're normally calling you and talking to you after a Mississippi State game, getting ready for a Sunday broadcast, but of course the dogs had that early exit from Hoover on Thursday. I'm actually in South Bend, Indiana right now. Charlie's in South Florida. The modern technologies of the world allow us to to get you ready for that Sunday Coffee. The thing about it, Charlie is is we're on the same time right now, I guess, because I forgot that Indiana is that squirrely state when it comes to daylight saving time. So I couldn't figure out what time it was last night. I literally could not figure out what time it was. Sim says his phone changed. He says, hey, it's actually this time. And I said, no, it's not. So his phone changed. Mine didn't. We have the same carrier. It was, It was real crazy. So talking about crazy, how about last night? Did you watch the end of the Southern Miss Louisiana Tech game? That was nuts. I yesterday. did not want to
1: spend for a subscription on ESPN plus last night. But so I was watching it on live stats. So I was watching it update, but I wasn't actually seeing the game.
0: Man, they played twice yesterday. Southern Miss jumped out eight to nothing. It led like eight to nothing to the fifth inning yesterday in the first game. And then La Tech came back and beat them 11-10 to 10 in extra innings. And so that forced that second game last night. And it was 1-1 one to one going to the bottom of the eighth inning. La Tech scored a run, I think a home run in the bottom of the eighth, took a one-run lead. And then Southern Miss scored four times in the top of the night. Both teams kind of ran a little shallow on pitching late in the game. But then Louisiana Tech in the bottom of the night scored four of their own. Southern Miss brought their shortstop in the game to pitch and actually did pretty well, did okay. Miss played a pop up. It was a crazy ending. Louisiana Tech. They'll play Old Dominion today, and he kind of felt like the winner of that game of Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech really had a leg up to becoming a hosting site down at the bottom of those national rankings.
1: Yeah, you did, and boy, how about Lane Burrows? Those guys were just what they were. Down eight to nothing in the game. Down late last night, had four runs in the ninth, and you have to think they're going to be a host. They've been a top 20 team. If you look at it, where are they in RPI? I haven't studied the RPI this morning, but they were right around 18. I think number 19 today, they've jumped 10 spots in RPI. You got to think they're going to sneak their way into getting a host. Don't you?
0: Yeah, you would think. Okay. Hey, let's look back at us a little bit. We we finally had a chance to kind of digest what went on over at Hoover or really haven't had a chance to digest it just kind of put it on the shelf a little bit so after a few days to kind of think about it Charlie what are your thoughts I know what everybody's saying hey we went over there we didn't look like we were ready to play we laid an egg we said that a little bit on our post game shows but looking back what is your thought of Mississippi State at the end of the SEC tournament
1: still a team trying to find itself I know I was upset with where we were I was upset with how we played not so much for losing and I get that some people like to go over and win. my issue is just being run And the thing that scares me beyond the scores is the fact that in that second ball game, that ball game against Tennessee, we threw arguably our three best pitchers out there and every one of them got barreled up. And you wonder where their confidence is going to be headed into a regional.
0: You know, I look at at that, and I'm not making any excuses at all, but just understanding how pitchers are wired and how they work. I look at Will Bednar, who has done everything as far as bullpen session and everything getting set up to pitch in the Friday game. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, in the back of your mind, Scott Fox, I'll probably went to him, you know, the day before and says, hey, if we get in a situation of uh, we think we're going to you know, go back home, I want to get you some work. It's almost like it's a different mentality. It's a completely different mentality because you're so keyed in on starting pitchers. Starting pitchers, like I said, are wired differently. Everything is on a different day. And I want to say, I want to hope that moving him up a day just to get him some work doesn't allow you to be as sharp. I think the same thing with Landon Sims. We talked about that the other day and about being in a non-leverage situation. It was almost like, and I hate to put it like this, it was almost like a throwaway when you get to the fourth, fifth inning. And so I'm hoping, and I think, I think that's the case really because I still like Will Bednar, you know, if he comes in and throws for you in a regional. You know, the question becomes, you know, so many people are are trying to figure out what we're going to do rotation-wise, and we've been trying to figure out that rotation all season long, is, you know, Christian McLeod, Will Bednar, and what do you do when you get to the NCAA regional? Do you throw McLeod the first day? Do you throw Bednar in the second day and then try to piece it together from there on out? Do you throw you know, a Houston Harding or, or whoever, Cade Smith, in day one, a one versus four? And that's really rolling the dice for a couple of reasons because at the end of the day, as you get toward the back end of your tournament, you're going to probably play a better team than you will that first day. But, man, I tell you what, you can burn through some pitching in that realm of thought as well. I mean, there's really no great answer. And I guess we'll talk about this tomorrow. We'll actually have a show at the post-selection and just try to figure things out. And, of course, I have a regular show during the week. But you know, there's just so many moving parts when you've only got two starters, two legitimate starters going into a regional.
1: My best guess, and I know we'll talk about this more, my best guess is you'll see McLeod in game one. You'll see Bednar in game two and then we'll try to piece it together from there. I think the thing that is going to be critical for Mississippi State as we get into regional play, and how many times have you and I talked about this, you can't have a Texas A&M weekend. You can't have a Missouri weekend. You have got to get innings out of your starters. I'm not saying they got to go eight, but they need to go five or six, and you've got to figure out a way to get through games one and two without taxing your bullpen, or look, I think we're going to be in trouble. And I say that without knowing who's here. That's just how regional set up. You've got to have some pitching left on the back end. Knowing Chris Lamonas and I think back to the conversation we had about him, and he always talks about how important game two of a regional is. My best guess, you'll just keep your pitching in the order it's in, and then we'll know. But, boy, right now, I guess everybody just kind of sitting around pins and needles, wondering who it is that
0: comes here. That's the big thing. And and people are, of course, kind of worked up over the quote-unquote top eight seed or national seed and where you are there. I mean, and I, I know, hey, there there's only a few voices out there right now that are offering their opinion. That's what they do, and, and they do a good job of it. They cover baseball extremely well. But here's the thing about – having guys kind of tell you what their thoughts are. If you look at every Memorial Day Monday, those guys are wrong a lot of times. They're wrong. And that's not a shot. And the reason that they're wrong is during the season, they're getting some kind of behind-the-scenes tidbits when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to a lot of different things. But when that committee locks itself into a conference room in Indianapolis, they don't know who the nine seed's going to be. They don't know who the eight seed's going to be. They don't know who the seven seed's going to be. They work on subscriptions, guys. And so, just before you start throwing that stuff up and saying, "Man, this guy said this and this guy said that," they don't know any more than we do. I can assure you that.
1: Well, it's not like a Joe Lenardi in men's basketball or a Charlie Cream in women's basketball. Those guys have a lot of experience with bracketology. They have a lot of experience in terms of knowing how the committees work in terms of setting up the basketball tournament. Baseball tournaments do not have that same history or that same level of certainty that basketball does. There's a, there's a track record there with basketball where you can go and say, here's what's going to happen. But you know what half these guys are doing in my estimation? They're just trolling fan bases. They're just digging at people because what they know is they drive subscriptions when they generate buzz and they generate conversation. And that's not to say they're not appreciated. Look, I love their work. I love what they do. But there's a difference in reporting on a ball game and telling me that somebody threw well, that somebody played well on the one hand, and then another predicting what a group of people are going to do. I mean, Think about it, Bart, John Cohen that we've talked about. I mean, he's on that committee. I can't predict. I've known John Cohen since I was 14 years old. I can't predict what car he'll drive to work next week. You just don't. He's not a predictable guy when it comes to saying what his opinion is going to be about a baseball team in the Midwest that most of us have never seen and only some of us have even read about. I think it's just we're just going too far if you rely on these guys too much.
0: So right now you start looking at RPI. I look at Warren Nolan, to me, because it's easier to read. Arkansas, number one. Fairfield, number two. Now, Fairfield got beat out in their conference tournament. So they're going to be sent somewhere. I actually saw one of the projections that saw, said Fairfield coming here. And like I said, I mean, just <laughs> throw the, throw those out. Throw those out. Vanderbilt, three. Tennessee, four. Texas, five. Okay, so you, you know those four with Arkansas, Vandy, Tennessee, Texas, they're going to be a top four seed in there. And so then all of a sudden you start you know, kind of figuring things out about it. You know, TCU has had a very good tournament in the, in the Big 12. They're playing for the conference uh, tournament championship, even though they faltered a little bit late coming down the stretch. You've got State at number seven right now in the RPI. Arizona at eight. And Here's the thing you got to remember about Arizona. Arizona, the Pac-12 did not have a – Tournament this year. And so they didn't have to worry about playing. Who do they? They played somebody crazy this past week. Was it like Dixie State or somebody this past weekend?
1: Yes, Dixie State. And here's the thing I've been around, I've watched a lot of baseball, and I cannot tell you the first thing about Dixie State.
0: Well, I looked it up there in Utah, and that, that was kind of a surprise as well. I mean, I, I didn't know. Texas Tech is at number nine. They have gotten beaten out of the, of course, the Big 12 Tournament Championship. Old Dominion is playing for the Conference USA Championship today with Louisiana Tech. They're the number 10 overall uh, Warren Nolan right now in the RPI. Notre Dame's at 11. I thought about going over there this morning just kind of knocking on the baseball office. I'm in South Bend, Indiana. Charlie's in South Florida. And I thought about knocking on the baseball office on the door and saying, hey, I want you guys to sell me on – U versus Mississippi State, but I don't think I'll do that. That probably wouldn't be a good thing. Oklahoma State is number 12, Ole Miss 13. So that's kind of where you look at St- – a lot of people are talking about Stanford. You know, Stanford was knocked out yesterday or, or beaten yesterday by Oregon State. And so their RPI this morning is 14. Florida's at 17. East Carolina got beat out of the American Athletic Conference tournament. They're at 15. So that's just kind of where the RPIs look this morning. But at the end of the day, Charlie – it is just a throw it in the air. You don't know. Now, do I think if you don't get in the top eight, do I think it's a result of what happened in Hoover? I think it has a little bit of a part to it. But I also think losing two out of three at home against Missouri. Charlie, when I look at this team, and I hate to say the word holes, but there are some holes in this team. Here's what I want to know and get your thoughts on this is it seems to me like, and we talked about this early in the year, when you get to this part of the season, scouts have had an opportunity to grade you. And what I mean by all that is you kind of are what you are right now. If you perform well or perform poorly in the NCAA tournament, it's not going to move your draft stock very much. And I say that to say this. Sometimes in a season you have some guys get at bats and they're they're really thinking about themselves, you know what I'm saying? I hate to say that. So you wonder? No, it's true. I wonder. Absolutely,
1: you see selfish at bats.
0: I wonder, and you hope that when you get to this part of the season, that guys that have have had some selfish swings turn into team swings, because you you can turn into a different hitter. I think if you play the game, kind of the way it's supposed to be played this time of year, not worry about draft stock. If you worry about getting that ground ball to the right side instead of trying to pull the ball out of the yard, I'm hoping this team can disdain a little bit of that selfishness because we have some guys who take some really selfish cuts, and I don't mean that—I don't mean that in a bad way. We, we've had some really good players, and I'm not going to name anybody. I'm just saying I hope it translates in translates into postseason play where you have a kind of a different outlook on some of your plans at the plate.
1: Yeah, you feel like going into the postseason, you know, as a hitter, your mantra going to the plate has to be do your job, do a job right here, and that's move it, run or advance a runner, go the other way, things like that. And then if you're up there in a situation where you can really zero in on a the pitch, then be able to take a big old cut, a lot of that has to do with understanding pitch counts and, you know, kind of situational awareness, and so you hope that'll improve. I think the thing for me that I really hope will improve is, the play on the mound um, in terms of starting pitching like we talked about. I think you've got to see that. And sometimes we talk about selfish swings. You know, there can be selfish pitching a little bit as well. If you see a guy who's turned around and look at the radar gun after every pitch he throws, you know you've got a problem, right? Because that's a guy trying to, to play for scouts. And I think right now what we're trying to do, there was a great story, by the way, I think it was when CeCe Sabathia was coming up with the Brewers they were playing somewhere, and I think it may have been in Chicago. And they uh, cranked the radar guns down whenever he was pitching. So Sabathia is used to throwing low nineties. Turn around, looked the board, and it's like an eighty-seven mile an hour fastball, and just completely <laughs> got in his head a little bit. But there's something to that with pitchers. If if the numbers don't look good, I think it's a time where you just got to forget about numbers and you got to go compete and you got to win. I think back to listening to you talk to Ron Polk about John Harden you know, he'll always be one of my favorite Mississippi State pitchers because he was a guy that competed and won by pitching, not with stuff. Meaning not in terms of just having that overpowering velocity. I mean the guy lived off change ups. And that's what you want to see is guys come to the mound with kind of that bulldog mentality, you know, the same way guys like him did. Bart on this issue of where we're seated, I was thinking about it last night and I think it's real easy to get hung up in the debate. But I, you made a point earlier, and I think it's right. If we lose it, it's not just because we got beaten Hoover. It's because we lost two out of three to Missouri. It's because we struggled at some other times. And I think one of the things, and I don't, look, I think we ought to be a national seat, Let me be clear. This isn't beat up on Mississippi State time. But I think it is time to recognize that we have, um, you call them holes, Bart. I'm going to call them opportunities. Okay, that's a a nice
0: way to put it.
1: We have some opportunities for guys to still win jobs going into the regionals. But you look, we're one in five against what I think are the two best teams in the league. One in six, if you throw Tennessee in there. And so we're not an elite team right now. That's not to say we can't be. I think back to when we were kids Bart. going to Omaha was a struggle, man, it was a struggle. In 1983, we had a good team. We get put out in Texas. 1984, we have what I think is a great team, and we get put out in Starkville. 1989, if you were to go just on a straight player-by-player analysis, maybe the best team Mississippi State has ever had in 1989. We dominated the league from day one through the end of the, the regular season. And we get put out at home. We don't even go to Omaha. That's why 1990 was so special. People talk about the Masters home run. It wasn't just that we went to Omaha. There was a lot of built-up frustration from not getting there. We've kind of fallen in love recently or gotten used to this idea of going. We had that magical run in 18. We got there again in 19. Look, there is no birthright that says this team gets to Omaha. And I think there are some question marks about this team. And I think – they need to be at home. They need every bit of support they can get because it is going to be a battle to get there.
0: It's not easy. I mean, you look back to even to 2019, being the national seed. It took just an unbelievable performance from Peyton Plumley in Game Two. Yeah, you know, we had to bounce back. Stanford hit the home run. Peyton Plumley was outstanding. We got some big hits late. Dustin Skelton had the big triple. I mean, we, we had some had some plays in that. And that's what it's gonna take. And if you go to Omaha this year, it's gonna take that. It's this is not going to be just a, a run through and all of a sudden here you are in, in T D. Ameritrade Park. This is the tough time of year. So we'll have kind of our thoughts and analysis after the post-announcement tomorrow on Memorial Day. And so I hope you guys will tune in tomorrow afternoon. We'll have kind of an abbreviated show. And, of course, we're brought to you on Sunday Coffee by our friends at Cannon Ford of Starkville. Cannon Ford, they have new makes and models. Hey, everybody in the car industry right now is having a tough time just finding cars or getting cars. And so if they don't have on the lot what you're looking for, they can order it for you, try to get it in for you. Newer used cars, but the thing they also do and do a great job of is with their customer service, with their service department. If you're looking for a spray in bed liner, if you're looking for a new battery, if you're having any kind of issues with your truck or car, take it into Canon Ford to start. Well, they're trusted people, and I have people that ask me all the time in the Golden Triangle area, where do you take your car? That's where I take mine. Is if I have any have a knocking where I don't, I shouldn't have a knocking going on. Take it to Cannon 4 to start. Well, those guys, Chris Keenan and the gang, do a tremendous job. Charlie, uh, looking back, hey, I had a little bit of fun this past week. I know it wasn't fun at the time, but uh, we've been kind of kicking around the idea, especially postseason-wise, of doing a postgame wrap-up show. We did that from Hoover the the first two days. I really enjoyed it because, you know, Charlie and I both do postgame radio for football. And so a lot of times we – yeah, you know, we had to fall into a mindset of of not being overreactionary, but 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 at times we are overreactionary, and it was kind of fun to get back in that mold a little bit, would not it, Charlie?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think back. What, what's our all time most uh, reactionary broadcast? Probably Ole Miss after the Elijah Moore episode. Either Maybe that, the Music City Bowl.
0: Yeah, well, I was I was, uh, was going to say the Music City. Well, from the from the just a pure arrogant stand, <laughs> the pure arrogant standpoint, it was probably the Egg Bowl. From a pure mad list fire and brimstone, it was no doubt the Music City Bowl.
1: Yeah, that was the one where Bart's saying, "Well, we got to take a break here um, <laughs> before we say something we shouldn't." <laughs> um, yeah, and I like to. I really enjoy doing those shows right after ball games. And so I'm going to look forward to doing those in the regionals. Boy, you got to say thank you, too. Wasn't it Paul Harvey? I think it was Paul Harvey who had a deal that he never advertised anybody. He never had a sponsor on his show, that it wasn't something that he used personally. And that's turned out to be the case for us. I mean, the people we talk about are the people that we do business with. And really appreciative of the guys, Two Brothers, Maroon and White Realty, all the guys who got on to help us make that uh bank first you know bank first i've banked with bank first since i moved to starbull seventeen, you know, eighteen 17 18 years ago moved back to starbull so it's been really appreciative of those guys coming on and helping us do that post game show and uh boy i wish we could have had more games to talk about them
0: yeah, no doubt. Yeah, Bank First, same way here. And then Sterling Dahl. Anytime I have a question about real estate and start, well, of course, it's it's always hopping, hopping harder right now, like it is in other parts of the country. And I tell you what, our family has become a staple at Two Brothers. The DoorDash man, we <laughs> we order. Sims loves those tacos, and Wells loves the wings, and so we're always getting something from those guys. And so we are very appreciative of of them helping us with their our, uh, our post game wraps over in the SEC tournament. And so we'll look forward to doing that in the next coming weeks too, as well. So, Charlie, I know we probably want to have a an abbreviated show today. I mean, I, I really don't want to go into a whole lot of detail about you know where we are, what we're going to do, until I see the bracket. That's going to be tomorrow. But I thought it was imperative, like you did, to to kind of come to you, keep it on that Sunday rotation. We wanted to stay on rotation, too. Our normal rotation is Thursday with out of left field, and then on Sunday with Sunday coffee. This past week, if you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to the out of left field show. It was great. James Spann, who's a Mississippi State graduate in geosciences, He's the head meteorologist at ABC 3340 in Birmingham. He's Alabama's weatherman. I mean, he's the state of Alabama's weatherman, and he was great. Uh, it was a great conversation, and then I had a chance to talk to Coach Polk about you know, getting teams ready for postseason play. And so I, I really, looking back, I went back and listened to that, Charlie, on the drive up to Chicago, and, yes, we drove. And this whole trip, for us, it was spontaneous at 3 o'clock on Friday I've, sent Sims a text and says, hey, you want to go watch the Cubs tomorrow? He's like, sure, let's roll. So that's, that's the bad thing about somebody as spontaneous as me is having somebody that will say, yeah, let's do it. And so that's why we're out of town. And But I had a chance to listen back. And, man, I tell you what, that James Spann interview was outstanding. He was really good. I did the
1: same thing. I listened back to it. And what I enjoyed about James Spann is, number one, that he's appreciative about being from Mississippi State. Number two, that he still comes back. And that's one of the things about people. It's one thing to go there, but it's another to come back. And that's a guy at the top of his profession. And it's just such a valuable resource for Mississippi State to have him. But to hear his connection to the place, to hear his appreciation for the place, was really cool. So I enjoyed that. And look, Ron Polk's always interesting to talk to. I enjoyed your question to him, Bart. Of (laughs) He said it and I knew it was going to come out, that's baseball. And you asked him, you know, where did that come from? <laughs> Almost like, <laughs> surely he had to get something. And, you know, he had a line in there and said, basically, look, I just know it, it's it's just baseball. And he, he made another comment, too, that I thought was interesting. And it reminded me of Bill Parcells, because Bill Parcells used to have the saying that games are too long for bad teams. And he Talked about the idea of, you know, if you play the Yankees two innings, you might have a chance. You're playing for nine, you got none. And talking about kind of the importance of sometimes just extending the ball game, of making the game go a little bit longer because it gives yourself a a, a better chance to win. And I start thinking about some of these things that you were talking about, Bart. You know, it is, it's in a baseball game, sometimes you lose sight of the things that otherwise seem insignificant because the sequential nature of the game just builds upon itself. Sometimes being the number eight hitter in the lineup, getting a walk with two outs in an inning, beating out a ground ball, doing something to get on base, can completely change the game because instead of the next inning, leading off with a nine-hole guy, or leading off with your leadoff hitter. it's One of the things I just always enjoy listening to you sit down and, and talk with Ron Polk. The other thing, i got to make a little plug for you too, Bart, um, and you didn't ask me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. You've had some interviews that you've been doing, sit-downs with Mississippi State assistant coaches. I know you've had Tony Hughes. Um, you've had – who all of you had? You've Tony Hughes, Darcell McBeth.
0: Yeah, we had Tony Hughes uh, and uh, Zach Arnett, the first Zach one. Zach Arnett. We had Darcell McBeth and Mason Miller on our last show that they uh, – that they put up on the hell state website that I guess that was, they released that during the Tennessee game the other day, I guess we were looking for something positive, but Hey, I've enjoyed those. <laughs> i really enjoyed those.
1: Well, I think mean, it's cool because it really shows the human side of those guys. It helps you feel like you get to know them. It's one thing guys aren't, when they're behind a podium at a press conference than they are when they're just sitting down over lunch talking. So If you listen to this and you haven't seen those interviews, check them out. They are just outstanding, and they're very well produced. The camera production is great. Audio feeds are great. So I I really enjoyed you doing those. One last uh, comment from me, Bart, and it doesn't deal with baseball at all. Did you see Phil Mickelson's quote? Did you see the interview with Phil Mickelson after his round on Thursday this week? No, I didn't. That oh, thought it was beautiful. Of course, you know, Phil Mickelson becoming the oldest player to win a major last week at the PGA. and He comes over to Colonial in Fort Worth. He's actually won there a couple of times, finished second once or twice. And so Phil's being interviewed. And I guess he had cataract surgery or something. He's having to wear these sunglasses. So he's standing there with a big smile on his face, and a reporter's asking him a question. You know, he's standing in front of the backdrop. Said, Phil, you know, obviously uh, not the round you wanted today. You kind of struggled to get it around. And Phil's just smiling the whole time and looks dead. The camera goes, Yeah, but I won the PGA. So, okay. (laughs) Just (laughs) grin and go on. (laughs) I thought that was like the classic Phil Mickelson. And so, as we think about Phil to bring it back to baseball, we don't need to be Phil Mickelson coming into this. these last few weeks of the season because you know phil was the guy who could go out one week miss the cut come out the next and play great kind of be all over the course sometimes this is where steady baseball becomes important you just got to be good consistently and i guess about uh, what tomorrow afternoon we'll be back and we'll know a lot more about what the road looks like
0: well no doubt no doubt regional times here fun time of year's here we do know we're going to be hosting which is phenomenal Looking forward to that. They'll have the regional announcement tomorrow morning, 11 o'clock, Mississippi time, uh, 12 o'clock if you're in South Bend, Indiana, northern Indiana that does not observe daylight saving time. So, Charlie, I enjoyed it, and uh, I guess we'll get back together tomorrow and we'll uh, kind of dip into this thing and try to figure it all out.
1: Do you see Chris Young in Chicago?
0: No, I I text him back and forth. And, hey, let me tell you, those guys, you know, they're so locked in when they get in the season, I I, I don't want to bother. I just I just don't want to bother. and uh, But, no, I text with Chris, let him know that we were coming. And, uh, anyway, I didn't have a chance to see him, but I did have a chance to talk to him just a little bit. But he's the bullpen coach of the Cubs. The Cubs bullpen was really good yesterday. So, a uh, big win against the Reds. And, yeah, it was – I tell you, it was it was a lot of fun. I've always, always enjoyed my trip to Wrigley. And, of course, I grew up a Cubs fan with Harry Carey and all that good stuff. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Charlie, hey, we'll talk about it tomorrow. We all be careful, and uh, I guess we're back tomorrow. Yep, back tomorrow. And then the tournament starts on Friday in Startville. So appreciate you guys hanging out with us once again. Thanks for listening to Sunday Coffee, presented by Canon Ford of Startville.